welcome to the premiere episode of the Ace Tone Sessions. My name is Tim Whalen, and I'm thrilled to present my first ever guest, Mr. Zach Pride on the bass. Zach is a world-class bassist living right here in Washington, D.C. He's played all over the world with the likes of Freddie Cole, Stefan Harris, Mulgrew Miller, Liz Wright, and Kirk Whalem, just to name a few. In addition to being one of my favorite musicians, he's more importantly one of my favorite people. He's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, and I'm honored that he's here. And I'm honored that you're here. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode one of the Ace Tone Sessions.
I never knew you were born in Kentucky. I always thought you were born in Atlanta. Right down in Louisville. That's where I'm really? from. Really? Yeah. Okay, how long were you there? For the for a really long time. Uh, I moved when I was three. <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah, you got yeah, to you got yeah. to really see the place. Oh man, I got a chance got to a explore all the yeah all the nooks and crannies of my uh, kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Crawling around my hands and knees. Well, the two-two trains, they were huge. <laughs> so you grew up in Atlanta. Yeah. You were just yeah, born I, I grew up in Atlanta. Yeah. What, what was the what was the reason for the move? Uh, well, one, my dad got a job, okay. so we moved down there. Okay. And uh, and basically, my mom's family is mainly from Georgia. Okay. Yeah, my dad's family is in Alabama, so right. I think it was just one of those things where he was working with the train company CSX and just decided to take that job down there. Okay. So, what is your first musical memory? Wow, my first musical memory, that's uh, that's going back in the day. I think the first time I remember distinctly that music was a part of my life was hearing my mother wake me up in the morning when she was rehearsing for, she, my mother's a pianist and organist. Right, you mentioned that. Yeah, so she played for a lot of churches, she still does. Okay. And it was really annoying to be woken in the morning. Sure. Only on Saturdays was I happy because I was like, oh yeah, that's right, cartoons are on. <laughs> but besides that, you know, but that was like the first time. And I remember like one time just being really just shocked and amazed that, wow, that sounds really good. And I said that one time. And something, yeah, something moved you. Yeah, right around, I mean, I don't remember a lot of those musical moments, but that was right. like around five or six years old. I was really young. It's kind of a... Yeah. It's kind of just like that primal, yeah, you don't know what it is, exactly. but something did it for exactly. you. Exactly. That was the first time, you know, that I can remember distinctly when I was aware of music. So were you involved with Youth Orth? <laughs> uh, no, I wasn't involved with Youth Orth, but um, I did play violin. Were you violin. involved with Youth Orchestras? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, do it again. Go back. Were you involved with Youth Orchestras? No. <laughs> No, just kidding. Yeah, I was. <laughs> you, <All right. laughs> just fancy, man. <laughs> oh man, youth orchestras. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, actually, uh, I wasn't a part of the actual Atlanta Youth Orchestra, but I was part of their Georgia Music Educators something or the other orchestra that they have like every year, and I did it my last year in high school. Okay. And so. I did that mainly because I wanted to prepare myself for going into classical studies at Oberlin College. Right. And I wanted to make sure that I had, I came into to playing, I guess, um, orchestral music at a higher level at a later time. Sure. Even though I played orchestral music for a really long time. Right. It was one of those things where I never took a, a private lesson until after my first audition. Until after my, actually, I had taken three auditions already for college. And then I actually decided to pursue private lessons. We're kind of similar in that way. Mm. I, 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 I had very just minimal piano lessons, kind of some music theory um, in, in you know, early high school through high school. But in terms of actual piano studies, I didn't do that until college. Mm, okay. Yeah. But it's one of those things where if you... Um, if you love the instrument so much, I mean, what, what do they call it? Erudites? 
Yeah. Like you'll figure it out. Right. Anything, anything, anything it takes, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's so true. If you love what you, or if you know, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. I mean, really nothing will, is going to stop that right. pursuit. And honestly, I didn't know this, what I wanted to do this, but I think for me, it was more, I loved it so much. Right. I just love the sound so much that I didn't want to sound like something that it, that it wasn't. Right. So, especially for like the music that I, I auditioned with, for instance, uh, for Oberlin, they gave me the, the required pieces and I just listened to different orchestras and just try to mimic the sound of the bass right. section. Yeah, I mean, it's a real organic. Yeah. That probably did a lot for your musicality because you're doing so much listening Sure. Which yeah. is everything. Oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, like Mulgrew, Mulgrew Miller, you know, if you're not a good listener, mm-hmm. you don't have anything if you don't know how to listen. So that doing that orchestral playing along, that probably taught you so much about different levels of listening. Yeah, at the time I didn't think so. I mean, I, I was just kind right. of... Right. It's again, obviously. it's that primal thing, right. but you're doing something... Yeah that you probably later on analyze. Yeah, and you know, my, I had my graduate studies later on and it was a music education course and the, the strings class teacher, the first thing she said was, music is the business of sound. Hmm. And I said- That's a great quote. It was a great quote. Yeah. Because really all the technique, all everything else is, is a very small part of the bigger picture, which right. is, does it sound good? Yeah. So each guest that's going to be coming on this show, um, I've requested that they bring in an original piece of theirs. Okay. Um, so your tune that you brought in, Kemet, mm-hmm. um, just give me a little background on what the inspiration was, uh, what led you to that final piece of music that, we've, that we're going to play. Uh, that particular tune was... I wanted something very kind of happy, mm-hmm. but very just just pure, you know. And just, but the inspiration for that particular tune came in from the my I did a lot of research and a lot of study of like African history and also uh, the the just ancient African history because there wasn't a lot of that being taught in schools. Sure. So I just did a lot of that and uh, it led me to just wanted to write something about ancient Egypt which was back when it was in this early stages called Kemet. Okay. K-E-M-T because there's no there's no vowels and hieroglyphs. Okay. So I uh, and then also I wrote a tune called The Mountain which was something totally different but uh, I was writing a, a lot of tunes that had mountains in its Nature and sure. Kemet was like another one of those things, part of that whole series of my mountain pieces, right? About the pyramids, and um, yeah, I just wanted something very simple, and that's what I came up with. Well, it's interesting because it sounds like a, a folk song in a lot of ways to and me. Aren't most songs the most simple, right? Very just, and this the thing, it's got a beautiful uh, singing melody. Mm. with some interesting harmony but it it's it's almost like a modern day folk song to me it's very cool well that's interesting that you say that because every piece that i compose has lyrics to it oh okay yeah 
and I don't, I mean, they're, they're almost like for me, but, but sure. I, I just, I feel that it's easier to write something that's singable. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Of course. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, that's the most powerful music. I mean, complexity and, you know, things that are difficult to play, that's, it can be interesting and exciting. Mm-hmm. But people remember melody. Yeah, you know? very much so. No, that's a beautiful tune. Thanks, man.
One of my heroes, I know you were able to play with him. What was it like playing with Mulgrew Miller? One of the things playing with Mulgrew, just that really struck, I mean, more than anything else, was his heart. I, I met him a few times and yeah. I, you see that right away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a warmth and a oh. genuine, the real genuine thing about him. Yeah. It's all making me tear up thinking about it. He's just. Yeah, I remember we went to Blues Alley. Yeah, it was he. He passed away. Yeah, fairly soon after that, and he was just so welcoming. Yeah, and it's genuine too. Yeah, it, it was genuine. no BS. So, and speaking of welcoming, when I played with him, there was no tension. Like I just felt very relaxed immediately. And you know, I'm just, I had to drive like close to three hours to get to the gig. Right. And when I got there, you know. I got the call that morning, you know, to play with him. I mean, I played with him after that too, but but playing with him there it was like the a, first time. It was a concert for a lot of people. Yeah. And because uh, because his bass player that was his wife was having a baby, so I came in last minute. But it just so happened that I was working on his music the day before, so universe, whatever. Yeah. Right. Right. And wow. The nervousness. He was immediately like. What do you want to play, man? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was really, it was really cool, you know? Well, he, 
when he was on Marion McParlin's show, mm. he was talking about his real only his only real life philosophy, which I'm sure people that know him much better than I do will attest to this. But um, easy does it. Easy does it. That yeah. was his philosophy on life. Yeah. No matter what the situation is, just easy does it. Yeah. And I think about that a lot. And it's, I mean, that really seems to be him in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't argue with that. The, I think out of all the musicians I've ever met in my life, he was one of the, probably the nicest and genuine, most genuine, genuinely nicest guys that I've met. So you told me this story. Yes. But it's, it's a great story, and I think... Uh, you should share it. I, I really, I want you to tell the story of your encounter with the late Charlie Hayden. Oh yes, Charlie Hayden. The scariest moment in my life. <laughs> and the most beautiful moment in my life, uh, rewarding yeah. moment in my life. So this happened immediately, like this is my first gig, I just moved to New York. I actually could have went to school in New York. I didn't want to go to New York because when I, when I was in college because I was just terrified sure. of thinking about, I've been living there, just thinking about living there because I visited and it was just very intimidating. So after yeah. my, you know how it is. Yeah. And uh, first gig is over, I have my base, I'm going to get on the metro for the first time or I guess the, the subway. Right. Yeah, I'm about to get on the yeah. subway because I'm in D.C. now. Get on the subway and I'm walking as right off of uh, Columbus Circle past Carnegie Hall okay and it's late at night there's no one out there this is like my first night in New York I'm like wow it's always crowded there's nobody there oh wait a minute there's a van slowly following me okay so I'm walking and then this van kind of goes a little bit faster I'm like it's probably not following me I'm not gonna freak out whatever I'm still walking right van stops someone gets out and he's walking my direction. I'm like, okay. So I walk a little bit faster. He walks faster. I walk faster. He's walking faster. I'm ready to run at yeah. this moment. But I'm like, okay, you know what? This guy's going to catch up. I just put my base down. I might lose my base. I don't know what's going to happen, but I just have to be ready for this. Right. And then this guy comes up like this and says, <laughs> it's kind of late at night, right? Do you walk on a base? <laughs> I'm like, is that Charlie Hayden? <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Like, what in the world? And he just got finished playing, you know? And uh, I think it was at the Iridium. And okay. so he, he said, uh, so do you need a ride? <laughs> do you need a ride home? Because he had just got finished playing. And I was like, yeah. I was like, wow, okay. So I, <laughs> I, go, back, I go back to the van, and he opens the door. And there's, there's Jerry Allen <laughs> looking like, I mean, just looking like this mystical queen. She's like... <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh hey, my you know. God. And so we get on the van. I put my put my base in there. And the guy's really cool. He actually drives uh, Charlie around. He, okay. he drives uh, Ron Carter around. Okay. I mean, like he's he's just one of those guys that sure. helps the bass players yeah. around the city. And so <laughs> Charlie says, hey, you know, do you want a CD? He has two two different CDs. And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. And so they're both looking at me, Jerry and him, and I'm like, okay. So I picked the one, you know, like I I I I picked his uh the, the vocal the art the art of song CD okay. that he made. Sure. And it's gorgeous. I picked it up, and Jerry looks over, 
to Charlie and says, good choice. <laughs> the <laughs> most serious, serious look on her I face. Mean, how surreal can that be? It was get? extremely surreal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. God. So what happened when they, when they let you out? Well, they just dropped me off and, you know, I said, thank you very much. It was very, I mean, by that time, you know, we... It was more of a casual conversation. Like, did they like go into like a smoke portal and disappear? Like it almost felt like that. It almost <laughs> felt like it was like a dream. You know, it was a very un like surreal yeah. moment. And but you know, it's one of those things that I I learned immediately. Like, okay, that is the example. That yeah. is an example of, of the kind of person I want to be. I want to sure. be approachable. I want to be a person, not even approachable, someone that actually goes out to help. Yeah, the younger or or you know, people like you know because someone like that doesn't have to stop. No, didn't ha didn't have to stop. Not He's at all. Past now, so no, didn't have to stop. Didn't have to help out, give any kind of. And you know, of course, he talked about some bass stuff and music stuff, but just one of the nicest guys. Once again, you know, those are those are the lessons that are I think more important than the music. Mm. There's a lot of musicians that are amazing out there. But I'm sorry to say, some of them don't know how to act. <laughs> That's very true. And that is very true. Um, it's it's disappointing, especially when your heroes mm -hmm. act that way. Mm -hmm. But you, the lesson you learn when you meet someone who has no question contributed right. so much that would walk out and offer a total stranger that yeah. plays his instrument yeah. a ride home. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. And that's what, to me, that's what this music is all about. With the dramatic flair. <laughs> yes. Wish I had my glasses on so I could put them down. <laughs> serious. That is For great. serious. That is so great.
little thing, but no, I, think the, I think the overall vibe is great. Yeah. How does music relate to life? I love music. Music is one of those things that just gives me a sense of beauty and wonder, purpose, love, all those positive things that you can't quite put into words. It's a, it's a feeling. I look at music as the vibrational quantification of love. Love is music. Art is music. Life is music. <laughs>